Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to a week one Vikings Packers edition of Purple Daily. It is weird. It's been a weird year so far, but uh, the football season is officially upon us. And we will dive into the Vikings 53-man roster that is uh, potentially ever-changing and also expectations for the 2020 season. But a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated's been helping business owners for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota. And uh, I have been a business owner in my life before. I've succeeded. I have failed. I know what goes into it. There's a daily grind. There's problem-solving. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate said challenges. With Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. (laughs) You like that? You like that? And welcome in to Purple Daily with Mackie and Judd Declan producing. And gentlemen, week one is upon us. You won't be hearing much of that inside U.S. Bank Stadium unless the, the noise is piped in. They'll pipe it in. Yeah, they'll, they this should, won't be loud. They should be. I, this is the first time that the Vikings will have had permission to pipe in crowd noise. There's been times in the past where they've maybe never stopped them in. at the Metrodome. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's start with there's a, there's a few things to get to on today's episode here, including Mark Wilf's comments on expectations going forward here for 2020 and beyond. But Judd Zolgad, the 53 man roster came out and. I mean, when, when the initial roster came out, and they're also like all these teams are are, are finalizing 16-man practice squads instead of 8-man and 10-man practice squads. So there's just a lot more in terms of moving pieces and strategy that goes into this. But the biggest headlines, I think, when the initial 53-man roster came out were they only had two safeties. Now, granted, it's two of the best safeties in the NFL. Right, but there's no but, backup. But two safeties. Yep. And seven wide receivers making the team, which is, I think, usually five or six is the common number. Seven is a big number yep. for wide receivers. And Tajay Sharp was the veteran that was kind of the, I don't know if they're going to keep him or not. So what stood out to you when you saw the 53-man roster? The first thing was the fact that they basically auditioned all these uh, safeties in training camp and didn't like any of them. Yeah. They cut them all. They're all gone. Um, the second thing that's, that, that stood out at the position that you're talking about, but not because he's going to play 
receiver was the fact that uh, Dan Chesna, who was undrafted out of Penn State and is a track and field guy, and was at some point in time late in camp moved to, we thought, the Vikings announced it was safety. Zim yesterday said it was actually cornerback and then moved back to receiver, was kept on the roster as a quote-unquote special teams guy, which leads me to believe that he is super, super fast and that somebody else got wind about him. And Spielman, who gets incredibly cute at times like this, decided to keep him. And at some point, I think he's probably going to be cut, but the hope by that point is the teams will have set their rosters and that the Vikings can then transfer Chisna yes. from the 53 to the practice squad. That was uh, my second thing. The third thing is, once the um, practice squad was set on Sunday, I believe of the 15 draft picks that the Vikings had in April, 14 in some way, shape, or form are still with the franchise. The only one who got cut was a seventh-round safety. I think his name was Brian Cole the second, And he was cut early in camp, and he's the only one that they didn't bring back. Uh, I think nine of the 15 draft picks made the actual 53-man roster, and the rest, aside from Cole, were signed to the practice squad. So I, I was curious. 15 is so huge that I thought it might be two or three that that might not make the team entirely and might just be cut and not come back. So those were probably the three things that stood out for me because it wasn't really an active, like, sexy, oh, my God, I can't believe they cut this guy yeah. type of thing. Uh, so th- those are probably the three things that stand out. And at some point in time here, Phil, I got to think that it's either going to be before Sunday or quickly thereafter that they actually are going to sign a safety of some sort to back up uh, the two starters. Yeah, uh, so... Well, this is just one of those years, too, where if you're an undrafted free agent, it's just the toughest year ever to make a roster. So I think the fact that they just, you know, this was not a great year if you're an undrafted free agent in Vikings camp, like you just didn't have a great chance to make the team because of COVID and because of the lack of OTAs and minicamps, but also because you're competing against 15 rookies that the Vikings would have presumably top priority set on keeping the players that they drafted. And the only splash move that could have happened was the cutting of Riley Reef, and that resolved itself in the middle of last week. So it's actually one of the least sexiest and probably most nondescript 53-man roster cutdown periods in Vikings history. Like, there's almost yeah. always something that happens where you're like, wow. Um, the quarterback situation, I've got to think that during a COVID season, you're going to need more than two quarterbacks. I mean, if Kirk Cousins goes down, you're going to need more than Sean Mannion. But that's what the practice squad is for, too. And they like Browning a lot, I guess. Yep. So um, so they only have two quarterbacks on their actual 53. But so did did Browning and Stanley both make it to the practice squad? Yes. So they have four quarterbacks, yes. at least in their ecosystem. And Chad Beebe lives to fight another season as a Vikings wide They must receiver. love that kid, man. He looks He's the part. He's been hurt a thousand times, he and looks he the keeps part. coming back, so good for him. He looks like he could just be your stereotypical, reliable, white receiver guy on third and seven. The so quarterback we'll one to me is intriguing, and here's why. So let, let's strip away our personal impressions or feelings about Cousins' comments last week, okay? So political, let's, let's put all of that aside, and let's dissect what he said from a football-only standpoint, okay? Basically, his premise, and I'm not passing judgment, to be clear, his premise is, I don't think I'm going to get it, and if I do, God will protect me, and and I'll be fine, ultimately. Or I won't. Right. And I'm at peace with that. And I might die. But ultimately, he's at peace with the direction of if he gets the virus, which we know to be contagious, highly contagious. 
So all of that being said, here's my concern. If that is your feeling on life, and it's your right to have that feeling, I'm a little bit concerned that you aren't concerned not about your fellow man, but about yourself. That would have made me take a good long look at my backup QB and say, gentlemen, we have to take a percentage chart here and up Cousins' chances, possible risk here, because he's not concerned. And that, and that, and that means that in certain environments, we have to assume, and I don't know this, but in certain environments, we have to assume that he's going to put himself more at risk potentially. I see what you're saying. And, and I'm saying this from a football standpoint, okay? Just to be very clear before I get a tweet or something. You'll this is him. not political. But from a football standpoint, in fact, let's say this. I don't give a damn about Kirk Cousins, the human. All I care about is the arm. And if he's diagnosed, or if he, Test positive for COVID. He cannot play. Like, you can't be like, well, whether, he didn't. Whether he has symptoms or not. Like, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, he right. can't. But he's out. He's out for at least a week. It might be two. I don't know. Um, that being said, Sean Mannion is my backup. And Browning, who has never taken a snap in an actual game behind him, I think I might have been more proactive in looking for a solution that gave me a backup, who I'm not saying I want to play, but I think I'd feel more comfortable than Mannion. Because if Mannion plays guys, I have zero comfort. Um, well, you're not going to have comfort if Stanley plays either. Like, no, you're, hell no. You're not going to have comfort. There's, I mean, let's you. face it. There's only like 25 guys in the world well, that play that position that you'll have comfort. Okay, let's with say better chances. Play. Comfort's the wrong word. Let's say that you, if you have to plug that player in, feel that the downgrade wouldn't be as massive as I feel it's going to be going to Mannion or, God forbid, for the Vikings' sake. Browning. Well, I think what you're talking about is what the Eagles just did, right? The the, Eagle, yeah. the Eagles are paying so you can for the first time ever, I think. Yes, you're you, you can put you can put up to 3 veteran players on your 16 man expanded practice squad. Yes. And so what they they went to 41-year-old Josh McCown and they said, "All right, we don't need you to like fly to Philadelphia or any of that crap. You can just be at home." Yeah. We just want we just want access to you if Carson Wentz gets covid or something. Yes. And and we, so can you just be on standby for X amount of dollars per week and just be on our practice squad, quote unquote. You're not going to have to be at the facility. You're not going to have to really like do anything. He lives in Texas. Just, here's the playbook. Stay in Texas. Yep. Keep up to speed on it. Um, so so now is 41-year-old Josh McCown at this point in his career going to come in and light it up if Carson Wentz goes down? Probably not. But like, would you feel more comfortable with him playing three games or even a game than you would if it's Sean Mannion? And so I, I, I do wonder, like, did the Vikings have similar discussions with quarterbacks that could just give you a better chance? Because to what you're saying, it, and I don't know if I would take it as far as you. I don't, I don't think Kirk is going to be, like, out at Pizza Ranch, you know. But I don't know that. Breathing what, in the fumes of everyone's, like, honey, sausage I'm pre- honey, breath. I'm like, <laughs> What's that again? <laughs> uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins mysteriously absent from the Pizza Ranch commercials. It's did not Pizza mis- Ranch cut their I budget? They cut their budget, yeah. Man. I don't think it's mysterious at all. That poor schlep who finds out his wife's pregnant is cheaper Friends than Kirk's. <laughs> Dirk, Dirk Dozens is the new actor. Who, for, who uh, was Kirk's friend? <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Kevin and Kirk. Kevin and Kirk. Just plowing pizza. And poor pizza Kevin. Pe- poor, he got fired too, and I <laughs> right? don't know why he got fired. So, but so to your point, so I, I don't think, like, I'm not going to go as far as you. I don't think Kirk is just going to be out, like, irresponsible. I do think he feels, even though he doesn't have, like, fear or anxiety about him and COVID, right. I think he does feel, and his comments would reflect this too, 
he does feel a responsibility to his team to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is accurate. But it is it is correct to say that in 2020, it is more likely than in any other year that your starting quarterback, whether it's Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, will miss a game or two or three because of a positive diagnosis on a Saturday night or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the chances of you having to play games without your starting quarterback are higher this year than they would be in any other year. So having a backup quarterback, especially if we think the Vi- the Vikings, I think we you know we just did a, sh- a segment on Mackie and Judd, our other podcast, Apple, Spotify, Scornet.com. We all agree the Vikings are the favorites in the NFC North, but we're not sitting here saying they're a thirteen and three team necessarily. We all think that this is going to be like a ten and six type division, mm-hmm. and if all of a sudden you have to take two games of Kirk Cousins and replace him with Sean Mannion, now my opinion about ten and six changes too. So I agree you have to be mindful of these things well, in 2020. And teams, but what do you do? Well, but teams, and the Vikings certainly qualify here, they love to be smart, right? Like to say, okay, this this speedy special teams guy that we got, we have intelligence that the Patriots love him, okay? So we're going to keep him on the 53, and then we're going to jettison him the next week because the Patriots will be set by then and they won't pick him up. So teams love to be cute. What I'm saying is this. The cousins' comments don't make me think that he's going to be purposely stupid, but they. But if I'm smart and I'm thinking this through, I'm thinking to myself, this is a window that I almost appreciate seeing, because it does it does show a certain I'll, I'll be fine or I won't be fine if I get this, and so so does he wear a mask to church? I don't know, but if you're going to be smart about it, the assumption should be no. Now here's the second part, and I don't know the answer to this question, and I believe that some teams have instituted this already. What's your quarterback room like, literally? I, I would probably avoid putting those guys in the same That's room. That's my point. But if you don't, and Mannion's in that room, now let's say Cousins test positive on a Friday, and Mannion test positive on Saturday, and now I'm starting Jake Browning? Yeah, and again, just so to clarify... I'm trying to think this out. You and I aren't talking about... Oh my God, what if you get a scratchy throat? Can you power through it and live your life? We're not talking about that. We're talking about the way the NFL has set up protocol. If you test positive, you will not be playing. Correct. You have to have multiple negative tests, and there's going to be quick turnarounds. So if you get a positive test on a Saturday night, and maybe it's a false positive, you should be, but you feel no symptoms, you should be able to get tested maybe Sunday morning. Like there, there's, you're not going to have like a three day turnaround like at the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. But you probably should be doing everything you can to keep quarterbacks as safe as possible yep. away from each other. Um, let's because this kind of dovetails into the bigger picture discussion. Let's let's get into the next part of this discussion here, which is 2020 expectations for the Vikings. All mm-hmm. right, here's an interesting clip from the Athletic, Chad Graff, on uh, Mark Wilf's comments. Here, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs here for you guys. How patient can you be with results? This is a question to Mark Wilf. How patient can you be when results, while mostly positive, also show that you're not on the precipice of the ultimate goal, which is a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. And Mark Wilf said that's a really good question. Congratulations to Chad Graff for getting the good question. Do we know it's Graff who asked the question? Or is it- I, the way he framed the article, I think he it's very was trying savvy. to say that it was very savvy of Graff. I like yep, that. Yep. Good work. So Mark Wolf talked about wanting to avoid being too knee-jerk or too impulsive. He feels it's important to take a step back after the emotional season and let things settle. They were disappointed by the way last season ended in San Francisco, but the Wilfs felt the Vikings gave themselves a chance. Those close to the Wilfs have long said they envision building the Vikings the way the Steelers have built their franchise. 
They don't want to change coaches often, and they want to consistently be in the playoff mix. Quote from Mark Wilf, We feel really good about the football organization we have in place, that they can get the job done. As ownership, you balance those things, but you don't want to be knee-jerk and too impulsive. Our goal is to get to the playoffs, achieve sustained success, and keep knocking at the door, and eventually that door will come down. So he's saying, we're not thrilled that we haven't knocked the door down yet. Mm -hmm. We don't want to knee-jerk to that and just fire a coach and fire a general manager for the sake of doing so. And so they basically took a deep breath this offseason, surveyed the big picture, were probably pretty pissed off at the end of the playoff run when they just got smoked by San Francisco. But they looked at the big picture and said, all right, Mike Zimmer, since 2015, has a 50-29-1 record as Vikings coach. Mm-hmm. That's fifth in the NFL from a percentage standpoint. The points differential is a plus 336 for the Vikings since 2015. Also fifth in the NFL. And the Vikings defense is second in the NFL in least points allowed over that stretch. So they've looked at big picture and said, we think that this collection can win a Super Bowl. So what should the expectations be in 2020? Well, I think the expectations, realistically, with what this team is building are for 2021. But 2020 is going to be weird. It's unpredictable. Uh, But if I was to take a step back and almost remove the pandemic now, I think that this team really gears up for 21 very well. But Mark Wilf's comments are are reflective of how the Wilfs have been since the day they bought this team. I still, back when Ziggy talked more, I still recall him saying the exact same thing. And this is, Phil, this is like 2005 or 6 or yeah. 7, uh, talking about the fact that their goal at that time was exactly this. And that is stability. That is to have stability in your stadium, which they do now, where you practice, which they do now, and in your team. Now, the question becomes, does that stability lead to the ultimate championship? And the faith has to be yes. I don't know that it necessarily does for sure. Um, but th- but but I will give the Wolves credit for this. Right or wrong, and I think it's more right, the approach has never changed one bit. Now, I, I believe that the team that they looked at when they bought the Vikings as being uh, stability was the Giants, because that's the team that they both uh, grew up as fans of, going to games, going back to uh, Ziggy's time, going to Yankee Stadium to watch the Giants play. But this was the goal. And and I think that they see, I think they see the fact that they have it here. Like this, this to its credit, franchise is really stable now. It's really consistently good. Yes. It's ultimately, it doesn't get the championship. But it wins divisions. It it consistently goes to the playoffs. It's not embarrassing, which is a big factor because for a long time, the question was not uh, if it was when the Vikings were going to embarrass ownership, the coach, blah blah blah. So you can agree or disagree with approach here. And the last part too that the Wilfs do is when they hire their football people to run their team, they basically say okay. Like they don't, I don't think they try and they're fans, but I don't think they try and run the team. I don't think that they tell Spielman who to go get at quarterback. I don't think that they look at Zim and say, you do know that you've got no experience at cornerback, right, Mike? I don't think that they do that. So they allow the people that they um, hire to run their team as football fans. They allow those people to run the team 
and their one goal from the day that they bought this franchise was to have the franchise consistently be where it's at, and that's playoff berths, that's division titles sprinkled in for sure, and it would be nice to win a championship, but I got to think if you gave them truth serum and said, in the 15 years that you guys have owned this team, are you happy with the overall results? I think they would probably say, yeah, we envisioned being good consistently, and they are. The Steelers' comparison, and the and or the, I should say, the Steelers' aspiration is 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 really the word that we should use, is a really good one. You know, the, the Steelers. I think you could probably say they are the model NFL franchise over the fifty years that they've been relevant. If you go back to like nineteen seventy, yep. The, the, in fact, I just looked this up. All right, mm-hmm. the Steelers. So I consider a train wreck season to be five wins or fewer. If you're like five and eleven or four and twelve, that's a train wreck season. The Vikings don't have many of those. Maybe like once every ten years, the Vikings will train wreck and then they'll switch a coach out and then they'll try again. Uh, they had one at the end of the Leslie Frazier run. They had one at the end of the Brad Childress run, and uh, Mike Tice never really had one. They had one at the end of the Denny Green run, but there's really only like a handful of train wreck seasons you can point to in the last forty years or so. The Steelers have had one since 1970. When was it? They finished 5 and 11 in 1988. And that's it. And that's also the time where they were on the verge. I think it took another couple of years for them to to make the switch to Bill Cower from Chuck Knoll. 92, yes, you're correct. But the, but the Steelers have only literally literally only had three head coaches since 1970, 1968. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings in that they're consistently good in that they are they are flirting with championships every decade or so, are probably like diet Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, that's kind of what they are right now. Until they break through and win a championship, they are basically Pittsburgh Steelers light. And there are there are a lot of franchises that would aspire to not only be what Pittsburgh has become, but that, that, that would aspire to be what the Vikings have right now. So when we look at this thing, and I'll give you what I think their expectations should be, but when we look at the Vikings, sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in we want a Super Bowl now, and anything less than a Super Bowl, A, is not acceptable, and B, should lead to people getting fired. Well, if you're too knee-jerk and you're, and you're too quick to pull the trigger on, you just have to know what's behind door number two, because that's what I've said all along about Mike Zimmer. Yes, Super Bowl should be the goal. And yes, Mike Zimmer needs to be like held accountable and forced to adapt offensively and in the way that he communicates with players. He's done a lot of those things. He's hired smart people. I don't think he should just be fired if the Vikings don't get to the NFC Championship game this year. And a lot of Vikings fans, I can sense, kind of feel that way. Well, I mean, if you go 10-6 and six and you lose in the first round, then he should be fired. Sure, yeah. it's, it's more complicated than that to me. I don't think the expectation for 2020 is Super Bowl. I think it's, I think it's win your division, and I think it's win 10 or 11 games and win a playoff game. If those things don't happen, I'm not auto-firing Mike Zimmer and like eating the rest of his contract. Hmm. But I need to see, like, what does it all look like? What what do some of the draft picks look like that Rick Spielman brought in? And um, and and what does the Gary Kubiak offense look like in 2020 compared to some of the better teams in the NFC? Things like that. There's more context than this is the expectation, and if you don't meet it, you are fired. I agree. And, and to go back, they are really well run. And that's important. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen, we've seen this team have success in periods where it felt like a gong show. Guys were getting arrested. Guys were doing stupid things. It didn't make sense. It's like, just stop it. And and with Zim especially, since he came in in, what, 2014 or so, there has been a stability here, and he's done a very n- nice job. And I actually think 
his tenure will end, you'll sort of know. It's going to be a shelf life thing. Like, if you think players have totally checked out, that changes the dynamic. Uh, but to your point, so the only, so I would say this. I would say, since the Wilfs bought this team before, I think it was in May 2005, I would say the worst thing that they ever did as far as on the field was actually, I believe it was 2011 that they won three games, correct? That was the year to win one game. Like, seriously. And they can't control that. I totally get that. But those those extra, so they beat the Cardinals, they beat the Panthers in Carolina and Washington on Christmas Eve. And the Cardinals win, unavoidable. They won that game by a ton. But if you go back and you look at Carolina, and I believe it was Graham Goodell missed a field goal attempt that would have won that game for them. And Washington, um, Ponder got hurt. I think Webb came in and won it. But, and I, I know that he had injury problems, but if you go back and look, the opportunity to draft luck that year, that next April, that next spring, that looked like such a great opportunity. Quick, quick side street conversation. Do the Vikings win a Super Bowl between 2012 and 2018 with Andrew Luck? I think they probably do. I also think he's still playing now. Like the Colts, if if we think that the, the Vikings have been reckless with their offensive line, you guys, look at what the Colts did. Like they didn't care. It was incredible. I think the Vikings win a Super Bowl or two with Luck, and I think he is still playing right now. And I think he's in the prime of a great career. And that would have that would have been your Rodgers or your Favre. Yeah, I think 2000, since we're down this street, 2017, I think, would have been. Andrew Luck. Can you imagine that? that he's like healthier than he would have been in Indianapolis. Woo. He's probably, he's, he's, I don't think he's laying down in, in that Philadelphia game. Hell, you might have even been hosting that game. But I mean, that's. With 14 wins. That's the year that everything converged. You yeah. sucked. You were awful. There was that QB because that that guy's there once every what ten years, eight years. There was that guy there, and you had an opportunity to be gloriously bad to get gloriously good. Yep. But, so what you do? okay, Dex, what are your expectations? Two thousand twenty. I think when I when I look at it, I, I would say ten and six is probably should be a realistic expectation. Um, I, I think most everything is now set. And your defense improved with Ngakwe. Um, the Vikings' offensive weapons, although you lost Stephon Diggs, I still think with the additions of Justin Jefferson and two tight end sets, it's going to be a by committee that basically replaces what Stephon Diggs was able to do. And I, I just look at if I'm looking at like the Vikings' offense, I think it's what they were what they were able to do last season is still repeatable. I don't see like regression, at least a whole lot of it coming from the Vikings' offense. Whereas the Packers. I just I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, and you can't just hand off the ball to Aaron Jones every single play. And with Devontae Adams being only their realistic option, I do see regression because I think teams are going to figure them out a little bit more. Um, the defense, yes, although there's some holes at cornerback and there's some question marks in depth at safety after your two elite safeties, I still think Mike Zimmer is a good enough coach that he can scheme something up in his pot of stew that can make it a top ten defense. Um, and the NFC too. Although the Seahawks are still very good and we expect the Dallas Cowboys to take a step up, I still think it's really up for grabs. Um, I don't think I don't look at like in the AFC, I think it's still the Chiefs. Like you're gonna have to beat the you're gonna have to beat the Chiefs, uh, or or even the Baltimore Ravens to to succeed them. In the NFC, you basically have five teams that can legitimately go to the Super Bowl, and I consider the Vikings one of those five teams. I think there's a huge like all right, let's since you brought up sort of the it's the it's the entry point into the tiers of the NFC here. I think 
San Francisco is on a like they represent the top level. I think New Orleans is on that top level, and if, especially if Drew Brees still has gas in the tank, I think those two teams are for sure on a top level. Tampa Bay is a major wild card, and that they're a playoff team. They could also be a top level team with all those weapons and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But I for sure put New Orleans. And I know that the Vikings beat New Orleans. Like, I get that. But New Orleans is next level, especially now that they've smoothed things out with Alvin Kamara. Like, that's an unbelievable team. You mean pay to running back? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see if the Vikings follow suit. Um, I don't think we can put the Vikings on the top tier of NFC teams. Um, and then there's other teams like Dallas that Dallas should take a big step forward. Green Bay could take a step backward and still be 11 and 5. And, and the West is, I have no clue. That could be absolutely stacked. Yeah, Cardinals could get really good. Yeah, I mean Seattle. Anytime Seattle has Russell Wilson healthy for sixteen games too, like that's a maybe a ten or eleven win team as well. San Francisco uh, kicked the Vikings' butt in that playoff game, and that's what impressed me. I don't know if I'm as sold on the Saints being in that tier as you are. Like I think they're good, but the Vikings, you know, that didn't feel like a complete fluke win. The Vikings played them really even. I thought sure. so. I'm hard pressed. I think I think San Francisco should be good, very good potentially. I think Dallas should take a step up. But to Declan's point, I don't know how many teams in the conference that I can clearly say I think would beat the Vikings soundly. San Francisco scares me because they just kick their butts like physically. But beyond that, I don't know. And I guess my question is, in such a QB driven league. How quickly do those corners develop to? Because if the Vikings corners develop quickly, which they could, I guess, that's going to make a huge difference and be a game changer. If they don't, it could get dicey because there's enough good quarterbacks out there to pick those guys apart potentially. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think the exercise for the NFC is almost, you almost have to start the other way and say, all right, how many teams are you pretty darn sure are irrelevant? Give me those. And it's, it's a short list. I know I'll concede to you that Detroit, like, I don't think Detroit's like two and fourteen bad because Matt no, Stafford's I, a good quarterback. I agree, I agree with that, but I don't think Detroit's you. a playoff team. I don't. Th- I don't think Washington's a playoff team, but I also feel like Washington Washington could be playing free and easy this season now that they've gotten rid of their old nickname. Um, but is Haskins a good quarterback? In the I, no, I don't know about I, that Washington's one. not a playoff team, so we'll give you those you. two. Okay. I don't think the Giants are a playoff team. It also wouldn't shock me if they did sneak in as they a could, seven seed. They could potentially sniff around it. But I think that's their ceiling. Yeah, I agree. But they're not a pushover. If we're counting no. how many push, how many like who's bad? I think like, Washington might be like bad. Two, there's like two in the in the entire NFC. People might say Carolina. I don't know. Teddy Bridgewater. I don't. I would not a assume winning quarterback everywhere. I would not assume that with Carolina. I would really would not assume that. People might say Atlanta. I don't know. They got two no. stud receivers and a. You know, and I he's would still, say Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. quarterback. Nope, I agree. So you're you're not looking at Atlanta on your schedule and being like, that's a win. Ah, I don't know. Atlanta's a Who tough Who potentially out. scares you then? San Francisco does for me. San Francisco scares me. New Orleans scares me. Seattle scares me. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia is going to be good, but they don't scare me. Dallas scares me this year, especially motivated Dak. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay scares me just because of all the weapons they have. There's five teams that legitimately scare me in terms of they could there could be a gap if the Vikings don't get their stuff together. I'll go with four of schedule. those teams. I don't think Tampa Bay scares me because I don't know. Like I, I think the coach is good. I mean Tampa, Tampa Bay went eight and eight with Jameis Winston throwing thirty picks last year. 
Right, but I don't know that, that they scare me. I'm talking about teams that I'm talking about teams that if I'm the Vikings and I look at my schedule and that team is on my schedule, I say, "Well, this is going to be huge trouble." Like I they, in, went, they went seven and nine. I guess I was wrong, but still. But but they don't. I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. I'm saying that I wouldn't put them on the they scare me list. Okay. The they scare me list I, I, in this conference I, is small. I will. I I have a weird feeling that Dallas is going to be really damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say San Fran is the only one that truly, truly scares me. There's other teams I think the Vikings match up extremely well with, with Dallas and Seattle um, and teams like that. But I, I don't look at a lot of these teams in the NFC and say, wow, the Vikings are leaps and bounds behind these teams. I think it's just San Francisco. And even if San Francisco like regresses a little bit, their system is still similar to the Vikings. That's why I still see like consistency there. Like The way they operate their offense, I still think can work really well for them. Even if there is a slight regression to them, I still think top to bottom – they are a better football team than the Vikings, but Drew Brees and the Saints, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just I don't I don't think they scare me as much as they used to even two years ago. It's also worth noting we have not even mentioned a team that played in the Super Bowl two years ago and has a plus 300-point differential the last three years, the Los Angeles Rams. We, just, we, li- we literally just dismissed yeah. the Los it's Angeles of Jared Rams. Goff. Yeah, but it's the, because of Goff. But the, but I have the, trouble with Goff. But the Rams, the Rams have weapons. The I know Rams they do. Have like, but, I'm, no, but, but that's my point. That division... That division could be frightening, man. The Cardinals could really pop up. Um, the Rams, the Niners, to your point, Phil, the Seahawks. But the Rams, the Rams, in my mind, are being universally dismissed by people at this point because nobody knows what to make of the quarterback. You get the, the, but they the, like the coach. The one thing when this is a, I'm overly simplifying this, but the the Steelers are the are this type of franchise when a team seemingly train wrecks. Yeah. And still finishes like eight and eight or nine and seven. Mm-hmm. That's something to watch out for. I'm not and, saying you're, and, you're wrong. I'm just saying that that the unknown in that quarterback, I think, creates a lot of questions. Like the, Ram, right, yeah. the Rams, was like, oh, the Rams were kind of a train wreck last year. Yeah, well, the Rams went nine and seven. Yep, <laughs> and scored 400 points on offense yep. with question marks all over the place. So, um, all right. So there's a million things to get to the rest of the week, and now that we're going to have actual football to be played, we're pumped up. And we're going to welcome Corona Seltzer as the newest Purple Daily Hey-o. sponsor, starting with week one this season. Declan's Declan might be very drinking happy already. about this. Oh, I think yeah, Dex already, yeah. might have already Starbucks? welcomed them. Research and development. Starbucks What's in, in the here? Starbucks? <laughs> Alert the bosses. Um, so I did some research and development on some, some Lime Corona Seltzers this weekend, and boy, they question? do check out for sure. I, I got a question. Is this the first time on this show that if a Corona seltzer pops up during the show, the bosses can't say much. I think they would be happy because it's the endorsement and we are appreciative. So I think, I think that tomorrow Declan should be sporting a Corona seltzer in his hand. I think they, I think the bosses would be happy if that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll instead of, I won't hide it in the coffee cup. I'll just have the can out right here. I think we'll you it. should put it right in front of you. Yeah, you've got my permission for sure. I mean, don't get, I mean, don't drink nine of them and crush them on your head and pass out. Just make well, sure you can produce the yeah. show. Are you kidding? <laughs> From the Vikings game. Do you know that, that, might, that might happen? Happen. The yeah. potential downloads if Dex passes True. out. Also, we should mention too, Ventline is coming back, but it's going to be different than in seasons past. So it's been a caller-driven show for like six or seven years that Judd and I have been a part of. Well, it's going to transition to a YouTube and video-centric show in 2020. And so you'll be able to find uh, Vikings Ventline as part of the Score North and Purple Daily umbrella and more information on that later on this week as well. So, gentlemen, um, expectations for the Vikings 
on this episode and uh, and more to come on the Vikings front the rest of the week. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, thanks for hanging out with us on Purple Daily. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.